All right. We're on. We are on. We're back. We're back again. My turn. It's your turn. It's all about self-talk today, which I'm actually quite excited about. Yeah, I'm... uh... Kind of nervous, actually. I hope I hope this goes down well. <laughs> it's a combination of a fair real. bit of work. I mean, it's what a year and a half of kind of planning and familiarizing yourself with it. Yeah, it's like and your feeling. Your... It's it's one of those weird ones where, like, you put so much work into one one sort of aspect of one thing specifically, and then when it comes out, you're kind of like, oh, okay, there it is, cool. And it's all compiled, and here's the summary of all the stuff, and this is great. But then you kind of think, well, is is anyone actually going to be even semi interested in this thing, or is this just going to be? Thanks for that assignment, champion. See you later. I think it's quite interesting because it's something. It's self talk is what we use in everyday lives, no matter who you are. So even if, when you don't know that you're doing it. That little voice in your head, <laughs> <Yeah>. always. <laughs> yeah. I actually, it was funny actually that you say that. A couple of days ago at work, I asked a class if they used self talk at all. And like, no, no more than half put their hands up. And then I said, okay, but how many of you talk to yourself in your own head? And then like 80% mm. put their hand up. And I was like, okay. Yeah. How many of you can, like, you talk yourself through what you're doing as you're doing it? And then, like, pretty much the rest put their hands up. I was like, yeah, it's all the same stuff, right? <laughs> so, even the lingo is, yeah. is interesting to hear when when people chop and change. So, that's all right. We will uh, we'll see. Hopefully, some people find this interesting. Even if you find it interesting, that'll make me happy. So, <laughs> I definitely do find it interesting because there's there's unhelpful, unhelpful uh, self-talk and it's... I don't know, from what I know about it is there's no positive and negative because it all like affects people differently and that's kind of like what I'm re- really interested about. <laughs> all right. Well, this will be uh this will be interesting. I don't want to uh I yeah. don't want to shatter the illusion straight away, but there definitely is positive and negative. Um but, oh, damn. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I suppose where where do you want to start? Where do you want to kick us off with this? You got anything specific or are you happy for me to just kind of launch into bits and pieces, see where it takes us? I guess a good definition of it first, because as you said, there might be people that don't realize what it is. So that would be a good start. Okay. This is actually harder to start than than it sounds because the the academic side of things all the literature that i read through no one can actually agree on one definition but -hmm. essentially Mm -hmm. self-talk is your inner voice that's kind of the most simplistic Mm -hmm. way that we can that we can use that and depending on how kind of down in the weeds you want to get with specifics and all the rest of that and and tone and and everything else anyway we'll get to that people can't agree on a definition (laughs) but as far as we go it's basically just the voice in your head that you use for various different things. That's about as simple as I can yep. make it. Yep, yep, yep. So in a in an athlete population, estimate was about 80% of athletes use self-talk. Uh, that was generally found across like meta-analyses and things that were done previously. So, and which is, is pretty, like, pretty big percentage, really, eight out of 10. Is this like having the awareness that you're using it or using it in a specific way? 
Yeah, so it's a bit of it's a bit of both. So it's you're aware that you're that you're actually engaging in self talk, but you're also actively using it to try to improve your performance too. That was part of it, not just sort Mm -hmm. of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm aware that it's there, but I don't really use it. It was like, I am definitely aware that it's there and I'm actively using it to try to get better at something. So, yeah, yeah so quite, using quite it um, as an intervention to help them perform yep. better. Yeah. Yep. So that was sort of a broad, um, broad statistic that I found early on. But essentially, the the main sort of theory behind it actually stemmed from, I'm going to stuff all these names up, but I'll give them a crack. Uh, Vygotsky, I think is how it's pronounced. So it's essentially like a really early version of a model of self-talk. So it was essentially like the way that you talk to yourself in your head. He's basically like theorized the whole yeah. thing. In sport, the application of that was then picked up in like the late 80s. And it was like, oh, this can actually be a yeah. cool thing that we can use. And then basically since then, it's just been tweaked and refined over the years and sort of broken down and categorized and all sorts of stuff. So yeah, there's basically overarching uh, categories and I call them subcategories of, mm-hmm. of self-talk and, and the different aspects of it as well. Wow. What do you know there's about the theories? I've kind of come on here as a fresh mind here to learn more about it. I do know the basics about it. I do know the basic theories. I do know the, um, the negative and positive types of self-talk. Uh, and how it can impact different people differently. But more than that, I'm not too sure about. All right, cool. So I can just rip in. Um, I reckon okay, so, you should just rip in. <laughs> so normally when we sort of look at, uh, so I suppose, broad overarching categorization of self-talk, it was separated into, I, I sort of split it into a bit of a quadrant for the for the review mm-hmm. because it was, Positive and negative was coming up just everywhere. That was super common. Uh, but the other one that was the other two things that were really, really common was instructional or motivational. So mm-hmm. instructional self-talk being you're running yourself through in your head the technical aspects of a specific yeah. move, technique, whatever it is. But it's step-by-step instructions. So yeah, really quite task-focused in its application which we know is very very helpful for athletes to be task focused it gets them engaged in the present moment it's almost like that mindful technique of like what are you actually doing right now rather than trying to skip ahead to outcome focus so that was one motivational you know your standard sort of you got this kind of self-narrative that people can run through let's do it obviously yeah yep yep let's do it (laughs) and then if you run with positive and negative tone to motivational that can kind of impact it too so there was a series of athletes that used negative motivational self-talk as a well, as a proposed means of of actually spurring them along and trying to sort of give them giving them a bit of a push and interestingly yeah. the research up until about 2011 it basically suggested mm-hmm. that negative self-talk was detrimental so if I'm engaging in negative yeah. self-talk, yeah. it's not good for my performance. There's going to be dips. Mm-hmm. What actually happened was when a previous review was done was that negative self-talk had no impact on performance. It actually oh. just didn't do anything. It was just irrelevant really. So 
which mm-hmm. is really cool because if you're working with an athlete or if someone's listening and they engage in negative self-talk, you can take some level of comfort in knowing that it's actually not making you worse or, well, it might be, who knows. The odds are, based on the research, that it's not making your performance any worse, which I thought was really, yeah, really cool. Yeah, that's so interesting. Mm. See, I, I read that as well and um, through the research I've done on self-talk, but I didn't realise that it seems like they've interpreted it wrong. Is that what they've done? Or, or have they just thought no response is um, just a negative effect? So the one, the one that, so um, Todd, Todd and Hardy and, and Hall and a couple of like really big names in self-talk, they've put heaps of research out there. Mm. The, what, what they actually suggested was that the, it was almost like the categorization of negative self-talk was, yep. it, it wasn't wrong, but it was like, like with the definition stuff, it's kind of back and forth a fair bit, but some studies showed very small declines in performance, but the overarching systematic review when you accounted mm. for um, mediators and moderators as well, then basically it was mm. like, okay, look, it's not actually, it's not actually that detrimental. It's like no effect, really no effect size at all. Beneath so the, the effect size was quite small. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Which was, which is super cool. Cause I like, I know personally, I was, I still to this day will engage in some pretty savage self-talk. Um, where like, yeah. there's, there is zero chance I would say that out loud to anybody else. There's no way. And sometimes yeah. I catch myself and I think, fucking hell, man, like that's, that's, that's pretty harsh. Like just, you know, ease up a little bit. But it, it was also good to know that through, you know, years and years ago when I was engaging in that stuff, it probably didn't have that much of an impact on my performance. If it's, you know, it has other impacts on you, self-esteem and your self-confidence and things like that which I'll get to in a minute, but yeah. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's super interesting to me. And I like, I'm just curious, what was your research topic? So it was the effectiveness of self-talk in athletes. Okay. So, yeah. So I wanted to actually. So it, was, it was broad. It was, it was very broad. Um, so the original, there was a systematic review done in back in 2011 and it was like Todd et L 2011. I wrote that a thousand times. It's like etched into my brain. <laughs> um, but it was, they, they basically looked at the effectiveness of self-talk in sport. And I wanted to go sort of similar with that, but that was, it was about 11, 12 years ago now that they did theirs. And I've always been keen on the topic, but I thought it would be interesting to to look at if there'd been any changes or any shifts in the, just the rhetoric within the space, because like with most research, like things sort of shift and change as time goes on and things become relevant that weren't relevant, you know, 10 years ago and vice versa. So uh, yeah, that was, that was sort of the goal to start with. I originally actually looked at what assessment tools there were for self-talk and there's, it turns out there's actually heaps of them. Funnily enough, all basically designed by these, by these big dogs within the space of self-talk, all these gurus. So mm-hmm. which all these names feel so familiar to me now. It's really weird. I feel like I know these people in a weird way. But <laughs> I've read so much of their stuff. But there was actually just not enough research out there to investigate the effectiveness of the questionnaires themselves. So I then pivoted to mm-hmm. just sort of refresh the the decade-old systematic review. So 
that was the idea behind it. Wow. I love that. That's so interesting. I feel like your topic was just, it's really broad, but it's really needed at the same time. And I feel like what you're doing is adding value into the world of self-talk. It's it's nice to, because, you know, like some of the textbooks and stuff that, that we've been through over the years mm. is you look at it and you think, how, how the hell do people get to this point? Which is compilation of all this stuff. I was reading a, a, a big, it was a meta-analysis of a meta-analysis of, and it was like a, this massive systematic review of sports like interventions the other day between 1985 and 2022. It was massive. Jeez. There was a whole heap of stuff in there. And it was mm-hmm. fascinating to look at and just think, how cool is it that we're in a space where someone can say, right, let's compile everything that we know about all the things. So it's in one pa- like one paper. And everyone can just kind of take mm-hmm. that and digest it and save themselves decades <laughs> of of learning and understanding and trial and error and all the rest of it, and then apply the things that work the best. And it was, it was yeah. fascinating to look through. It's awesome. So you would have you would have learned a lot from the whole process and that and stuff like that. Yeah, I definitely did. It was one of those things where you go into um, I don't know if you did this like it just even through masters as well, but it's like here's this assignment. And you read the assignment and any uni student will probably resonate with this, but you read the assignment sort of guidelines and you look at it and you think, shit, really? Like this is, come on, man. Like are we really doing this? But then about halfway through something happens that is actually quite interesting or you learn something that you didn't expect to learn. And then it's like, oh shit, this is actually pretty cool and kind of interesting. And I find that- It's pretty much um, at the end. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) right towards the end when you get the good stuff. But I- I, I sort of like pub test it. So I have like my own version of the pub test where it's like, if I'm mm-hmm. like, if I'm at a pub with a couple of mates, which I did this the other weekend. And then I find myself talking about the thing. So I just started talking about self-talk with some random people. And then in my head, I was like, okay, that's, it's a bit nerdy. Number one, I don't know how interested they are in it, but I'm going to tell them anyway. But number two, that's such a cool thing to have happen. Whereas like I've I've now got all this knowledge of this one super niche topic because of a uni assignment that at first I looked at and was like, ugh, this is going to be so dry and boring. And now For I'm sure. trying to explain self-talk to people down the pub. This is cool. Yeah. I don't know if they yeah. thought it was very cool, but <laughs> I did. That's fine. Um, I don't know. I feel like people do with, with anything psychology anyway, most of the time. They always like engage and want to know more. Um, with self-talk, mm. with the negative self-talk, do you have any neuroscience behind self-talk and how negative or positive self-talk affects your brain? Mm. I wish, I wish I did. <laughs> I wish I did. I tried, I tried to search for it, mm-hmm. but it was either it had not been studied. It's too hard to study or... Uh, it was yeah, just sort of locked away in some dark room somewhere. Because the the thing is, and this is one of the major criticisms of self talk research was it is so subjective. So yeah. like initially, I collected a uh, hundred. There's like a hundred and thirty odd studies or something that sort of fit my criteria, my search criteria. But after I did all the elimination stuff and the things that didn't match and whatever else, I got it down to participants that were randomly assigned. And I had 13 mm-hmm. left over. That was it. Yeah. Out of all yeah. of that, 
the 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 second the second tier I had twenty eight ish, like really good quality papers, mm-hmm. but there was no random assignment and the the subjectivity of of self talk itself is it's really like it's hard to well it's hard to measure, but it's also really hard to report on any findings because unless you've got some sort of system in there. It's like, well, here's some stuff that we found. And everyone's like, yeah, but what about that? And they're like, oh, we didn't we didn't do that. <laughs> so like the subjective yeah. nature of the whole thing is really difficult. And it's where, you know, are you at training? Are you in competition when they're doing the assessments? A lot of it is self-report stuff. So there's a fair bit of that that goes on too. So one of the mm-hmm. biggest criticisms that came out of the whole thing, which was across the board, was um, so researcher Van Ralt, Van Ralt, Van, I, I hope I'm saying it right. Anyway. She's, she sounds awesome. She's done heaps of stuff in the space. She developed a model, the sports-specific model of self-talk, which is supposed to act as some sort of framework that people can then mm-hmm. build on to, to, to give some level of consistency across the space. Yeah. In the last decade, of all the research that I looked at, no one used it, not a single person. Mm. And it was like, yeah. man, come on. Like, uh, uh, what are you doing? <laughs> can we Can we get some consistency? Yeah. So that, you know, in another 10 years, when another master's student comes through and says, oh, I'm going to write on this, there is some sort of objective finding that might come out of something rather than just being like, eh, it's all sort of subjective hearsay. So yeah. anyway, fingers crossed. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm on my soapbox now. You got me all riled up. I know. I'm like, geez, <laughs> passionate <laughs> coming out of this. I'll just uh, no, take a breath. I love it. I love when you get like this. So what were your findings? Can you summarize them in a nice little, you know? Okay. Um, so main findings were that essentially any type of self-talk is going to be helpful to some extent. That's what yep. that, they were my findings from this, this go round. Um, yep. Positive and negative as the main focus of the research was almost non-existent. So, which I I found fascinating. Wow. The decade before it was massive. That was kind of like the the hot topic. Uh, yeah. This time around as well, motivational versus instructional had also flipped. So back in the day, yeah. Motivational was it was the bee's knees. Everyone was saying positive motivational self talk is that's where it's yeah. at. Recently, over the last decade, at least with the papers I looked at, instructional was everywhere. It was in like. 11 or 12 out of the 13 that I ended up looking at and every single one of them had crazy high effect sizes like they were massive the average wow. the the average effect size across all studies was 1.35 so to put this into context for people mm. we basically the measure that we use for this is either Cohen's D or Hedges G it's all statistical stuff don't worry about it but basically <laughs> point they measure it from a scale of sort of like zero to one if it's point mm-hmm. two or below it's considered low so there's there's basically no effect really like it's it doesn't really do no anything. effect in the population yeah, yeah. Point 0.5 you're looking at sort of moderate effects so you know like some people it'll be good some people won't you know that sort of thing point eight or above is considered large effects so that's you know you, you you're pretty likely to have some sort of result on the other end so when we're looking at 1.35 as an average, that is way, way above it. So essentially what we're saying is if you use 
instructional or motivational styles of self-talk, you're, you're pretty damn likely to see a positive outcome to your performance. Mm-hmm. That was essentially the, the summary of the whole thing, which was like I just found mind-boggling really because you, you, you never see well, – sorry, never's not right. You hardly ever see effect sizes above one. So yeah, that's so interesting. That's insane. Because like why do you know why that is? Like is that because instructions kind of I guess step by step you're focusing on what you're thinking about or what you're yourself to do. So it's like I don't know. Do you have an answer for that? I've got a I've got a the- it wasn't laid out very clearly, but I've got a theory about it and it was so they were, it was sort of split into two. So instructional will improve your skill execution, instructional self-talk, which has sort of flow-on effects from that, which we'll get to in a second. Motivational self-talk will boost your self-confidence. So mm-hmm. which is going to be good for any athlete, like confidence boost and self-efficacy and like Bandura's theory and stuff. We've we've been through that. Like that is proven to work in, in athletes to improve performance. But essentially my, my working theory is the improvements that you get from engaging in instructional self-talk mm-hmm. actually have positive positive sort of flow and effects to your skill execution, which builds your mm-hmm. competence in the space mm-hmm. or at doing the thing, which then builds your confidence, which then improves the whole thing. Okay. So it sort of spins that way. Yeah, yeah. So just so I understand it better, I just want to see if this example is what you're talking about. So I can kind of understand it. So I'm thinking about my own training, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to hit a PB. So a day before, I will be like motivational self-talk. I can do it. Um, I'm going to get in there. I'm going to kill it. Uh, I can lift the weight considering what I lifted before, like blah, blah, blah. Then when I'm in the gym and when I'm about to do the lift, then it's like, all right, is my back activated? Is my, like I go through the steps in my head of what I need to check off right before I do the lift. Would that be what you're kind of talking about? Yeah, so that's that's exactly right. Or do I have it completely wrong? No, no, that's spot on. So the the technical cues that you're running yourself through, that is exactly Mm. what we're referring to as as the instructional side of that self-talk. Okay. Yeah, like the deadlift, you know, like locking your lats in, Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, heels screwing the heels in the ground, like whatever. Yeah, cues like I you start. Use. Yeah, like I'll start from from the ground up, and I'll oh, it's like one, two, three, four, like steps that I'll go through quickly, run through my head, um, and make sure that that I'm doing them, and then it creates like a body and mind awareness, and I'm kind of talking to myself, and then the last thing I I do is like kind of like a motivational like. Let's like let's go. Let's let's push this weight. Type of thing. Let's, go. let's lift so, this shit. I don't know. Is that both? Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So so you can you can engage in both. Um. But what's probably what's sort of I suppose a, a, a an alternate scenario is that you would engage in the instructional self talk about the cues. So you would you know you'd engage mm-hmm. in all the cues before the lift. If the lift then didn't yep. get off the ground, you would then revisit and then potentially even engage in some motivational self-talk at that point as a confidence boost because if it doesn't come off the ground yeah. then you're going to you're going to feel probably a little bit deflated i would assume afterwards so then you'd want to engage yeah, in the motivational well, side of things 
So they they both have their yeah. uses depending on context. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm reflecting on last time I couldn't lift it and <laughs> there's a little part of me that was like, damn. But then I just had a rest and I was just like, I'm like, nah, you can do it. You can do it. Like you can do it. <laughs> and then after the rest, I did it and I succeeded. But yeah, there's like a split second where you're in the gym. You're like, oh no, everyone's looking at me. I didn't lift it. Um, and then yeah. you're, it's, it's your mind can spiral quite quickly and go into kind of a negative cycle and you can either give up or try rebuild yourself and rebuild um, that self-talk. So yeah, it's, it's really interesting because now I'm like reflecting on my own experiences to kind of understand what you're talking about. Uh, yeah, it's pretty yeah. cool. That's they're really that's a really good example though of of the sort of the difference between the two. Um, the other thing that was was really interesting that a couple of studies found was when people, specifically coaches, are providing feedback to athletes, the mm. what they called like the normal ways of feedback delivery were insufficient compared compared to an instructional mode of feedback. So. Um, you know, a tennis player with a serve rather than just that sort of the, whatever they consider to be standard feedback. Most of it was kind of like, you know, you need to do this or your energy's low or da, 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 da. It was all these things that they were too broad. They weren't specific enough. When they provided yeah. very technical instructional feedback, the athletes took that on board more so and were able to make the adjustments, mm -hmm. which then improved the confidence moving forward. So if there's any coaches out there, it's something to consider as well. Just in your feedback as you're giving it to the athletes, consider the content of your feedback or any PTs or coaches or anyone else out there is working in any space where there's any sort of technical aspect. Think about the the actual content that you're giving your athlete regarding feedback because mm -hmm. if it's not working, you can alter it. And instructional, the research suggests, is a very, very helpful way to get them to fix things up which then in, enhances the confidence as a flow and effect of that. So, Yeah, that's – I've really enjoyed listening to this topic. <laughs> like I love it so much and I'm glad I could reflect on my own experience only because then it helps me understand the experiences of athletes that I'm going to help in the future as well. And, yeah, it's good to have, I guess – good research behind what works and what doesn't work especially with such a large effect size for instructional that's yeah that's going to benefit me and help my clients with their performance and self -talk. yeah definitely definitely i thought it was a mistake at first i went back and redid the calculations <laughs> like three or four times because like surely not um yeah yeah, yeah. well thank but you i, thank I you suppose for just just as one thing to, to finish up on so that people can take it away is if you're unsure about what kind of self-talk you engage in, just draw up the quadrant. So it's literally just like draw up four squares. A square. Or one big square, yep. And just have motivational, instructional, and then positive and negative. Just slot those into each sort of top and bottom. And then just... Pay, pay attention to what you're saying to yourself during a training session or a competition and come back and just sort of fill it in. You know, where where was I at certain points? It's a good little exercise just to kind of highlight because a lot of the time we just do stuff. We don't really think about it. 
but it's a really good exercise just to get some of that, I suppose it's reflection really on what you're actually engaging in in the space and whether it needs to be tweaked or not. Ideally, both of them are going to work and it's going to be fine, mm-hmm. but we, we just, yeah, it's something it's something for people to focus on, that's all. Yeah, that's, I mean, self-awareness comes first. So once you kind of can identify what type of self-talk you engage in and look, you'll probably engage in different ones at different times. Uh, but once you know what you what you commonly use is it that's when you can like kind of work on it if you need to anyway 100 percent. good good well, well thank you All for right. sharing that was that was awesome i i feel like i'm leaving this uh podcast with a brain full of knowledge which i love <laughs> good i like that <laughs> hopefully some other people are too that's good <laughs> <laughs> i loved it i loved it so much thank you cool All good all right Thank you, crew. We will tune in again next week. Have a good week. Bye. Peace out.